What, what is up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into another edition of the Jim Bratton Podcast, and it is finally here, as crazy as last season was in college football, we have now, and last, and don't get me wrong, last season was a crazy season in a lot of ways, but we are, having said that, we are now ready to turn the page into what I would expect to be a much, much more crazy version of college football in 2023. And as you can see in this particular title and description of today's episode of the show, what I'm going to be doing today is I'm going to be sort of recapping some of the notable games from week zero, as they call it, as they call it. And yes, despite the fact that this week is technically week one, yes, there were, in fact, some college football games played last week. So I'm going to recap just a couple of those. And then I'm going to recap last night's just debacle of a performance by the Florida Gators because, my gosh, my gosh, Florida, wow, what was that? I'll get to answering that question a little bit more in detail in just a few minutes. And I'm also at the tail end of the show, going to be previewing some of tomorrow's notable games and one of Sunday and Monday's notable games that stand out to me as we are finally embarking on this journey that is week one of the 2023 college football season. But anyway... Before I get to week one, let me dive back into week zero and talk about San Jose State and USC. Number six, USC, who a lot of people have, I'm sure, predicted could possibly make a run to the college football playoff this season. Very excuse me, very important note on that note, uh, this year is actually the final year of the four-team college football playoff format. And so this is hopefully going to be the last year where all of the big debates sort of take effect at the end of the year where everybody argues back and forth at the office or wherever of who's going to get in because starting in 2024, there's obviously going to be 12 teams. And so at the end of this year, everybody's just looking forward to all of the fun and craziness that comes at that particular time of the year. But having said that, the USC Trojans are 
one of those teams that a lot of people may have predicted to be in that Final Four and may even have as a sleeper to get to the Final Four, if not if not win the whole thing, which when you look at their offense, on the one hand, their their defense is sort of doo-doo-ish, but their offense their offense can put up some points. And Caleb Williams, the defending Heisman Trophy winner at the quarterback spot for USC, certainly did his job and held up his end of the bargain this past Saturday, this past Saturday night. Uh, he finished 18 of 25 passing for 278 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Obviously, did not play the entire game because USC, they put up 56 points and there really was not much of a need to have Caleb Williams out there any longer than he was out there for. So Caleb Williams is an absolute stud. That's really the main takeaway to take away from this week zero opener for the USC Trojans. And switching gears to how Caleb Williams relates to the NFL side of things, obviously he is definitely at the top of the list as far as many teams draft boards are concerned for 2024. So much so that the Arizona Cardinals, based on some of the moves that the Arizona Cardinals have made as far as personnel decisions go, I saw where they recently decided to keep Kyler Murray on the PUP list, the physically unable to perform list, which means he is out for the first four games of the regular season, at least. And the Cardinals are now just trying to decide between Clayton Toon, the rookie draft pick from the University of Houston, and Joshua Dobbs, Tennessee Vols legend, Joshua Astro Dobbs, and his exceptionally large head. I mean, I haven't seen a forehead roll through the football program at the University of Tennessee as big as Josh Dobbs's is, definitely since Peyton. That is for sure. But the Arizona Cardinals are trying to decide between those two individuals as far as who will be the starting quarterback going into week one, which which leads a lot of people to believe that I believe the the uh, phrase that was thrown out on on a ESPN this week before that I could see before ESPN was blocked by Spectrum. I'll get to that a little bit. Trust me, I will get to that a little bit more in detail in just a few minutes because I'm livid 
by that entire situation. But one of the phrases that I heard mentioned as it relates to the Arizona Cardinals quarterback situation is that they they are positioning. We talked about tanking, and tanking's kind of been overused, but I guess the phrase is now that the Arizona Cardinals are positioning themselves to get the number one overall pick in this upcoming year's NFL draft, more than likely to select Caleb Williams. And by all accounts, I mean, you can see, obviously, what Caleb Williams does on the football field. He's obviously the defending Heisman Trophy winner. And with as big of a mess as the Arizona Cardinals seem to be right now, you begin to see why it makes a lot of sense for them to position themselves for that number one overall pick. But we've obviously got a lot of time before that that, that time comes, and anything at the end of the day, as we all know, can happen. But with that being said, heck of a start to the year for USC and Caleb Williams. Let me get to Navy and Notre Dame. Number 13, Notre Dame, the vaunted fighting Irish who everybody is just so high on. Notre Dame could finish 7 and 5 or 8 and 4 or 9 and 3 one year and lose to Marshall at home which fun fact they actually did last season i mean that that actually did happen they they lost to Marshall at home with with touchdown jesus in the background on the campus of the University of Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana, Notre Dame was defeated by the thundering herd of Marshall. A lot of people forget that, and probably a lot of people want to forget that, have tried to forget that, but history is... I mean, what what is the record book going to show at the end of the day? Anyway, reason I'm I'm the reason I have this sort of hate fest with Notre Dame, and I've said this before on the show several times, is that well, as I was just alluding to, they could finish eight and four and win or lose their bowl game and go into the preseason the next year with the moniker of We Are Notre Dame. And the voters for the AP will decide, okay, we're still going to put you in the top 15. It's okay. And that is, of course, the situation that Notre Dame finds themselves in this year being ranked number 13 in the preseason poll. Now, 
Having said that, to be fair to the Fighting Irish, they did come out on top with a big win over Navy last week in beautiful Dublin, Ireland. So, Touchdown Jesus was was not even in the background for Notre Dame in this one due to the game being played in a completely different part of the world, obviously. But Notre Dame wins 42-3 over Navy, which was to be expected, I suppose. And, of course, a big reason why Notre Dame probably won by the margin that they won by, the 39-point margin that they ended up winning by, was because it seems like they have finally found a quarterback in Wake Forest transfer Sam Hartman. And what did Sam Hartman do? against Navy. Well, he fin- he just finished 19 of 23 in the air for 251 yards, four touchdowns, zero picks. The Irish also had some very good key contributions as well from running back Audric Esteem, who finished with with 16 carries for 95 yards and one touchdown, and also wide receiver Jaden Greathouse, who finished the game with three catches for 68 yards and two touchdowns. And so, definitely a very big and very good start for. Notre Dame, as much as it pains me to say that, in a lot of ways. And Notre Dame fans, I guess the one positive that they have going for them is that after the debacle of quarterback play that they experienced last year, whether it was Tyler Buckner or Drew Pine, Tyler Buckner, who is no longer at Notre Dame and apparently is not does not even have the edge of getting the starting quarterback job at Alabama despite following now former offensive coordinator Tommy Reese to Alabama very interesting takeaway from that I might add says a lot about maybe what Tommy Reese actually thinks about what Tyler Buckner brings to the table or does not bring to the table. But main point I'm trying to make here is just after the train wreck of quarterback play that Notre Dame went through last season, I think we can all assume that the Sam Hartman effect is going to be a very good one for the Fighting Irish. As much as it pains me and probably 
a lot of other people out there as well to say that. Now, so that that's pretty much my takeaway on the two notable games from week zero. Week one, I, I guess, kicked off last night between, in the matchup, I should say, between Florida and Utah, if, if you want to call it the matchup. And the reason why I say that is because... My gosh, my gosh, Florida. And to be fair, to be fair, I know a lot of people saw this game. I was actually not able to see that much of it due to the fact that I was sort of in the zone in one of my fantasy football drafts last night. And I was at the at the table we were at at the restaurant. I had my back turned to the TV. The game was on right behind me, but due to me, of course, being in the zone and the gears sort of turning in my head as far as who to draft and whatnot, I was not able to see, actually see that much of the game, which. I really can't be that upset about because there really wasn't that much to see in that game last night. And my gosh, Florida, what what is going on? What is go- what was that, Florida? Wow, just wow. So much hype and expectations for Florida going into this game and which I will get to into a little bit more in just a second but just it just all came crashing and burning for the Gators last night first off very interesting quarterback dynamic that was going on with both of these teams because for Florida they are in a situation where Graham Mertz, the transfer from the University of Wisconsin, is stepping into the starting role. And he did, I guess, fairly decent last night, at at least on the stat sheet. Obviously, the final score was in no way an indication of that. But... Uh, I guess I can get to his numbers really quick. He finished 31 of 44 for 333 yards, one touchdown, one interception. So, I guess some some good and some bad. Well, more more bad than good for Florida when you're looking at the final outcome of the game, which, as we all know, is really the only thing that really matters at the end of the day as far as who wins and who loses. Florida was obviously the big loser from last night. But for Utah, as Cam Rising, the star quarterback, 
that has really stepped up for them in a lot of ways over the last two years or so. Uh, He's currently recovering from an ACL injury that he, I believe, suffered in the, I think it was the Rose Bowl last year. I could be wrong, but I believe it was the Rose Bowl. And Utah was in a situation where as Cam Rising recovers from that, Bryson Barnes, some guy named Bryson Barnes, had to step in and play for the Utes last night. And he was efficient. He finished 12 of 18, uh, 159 yards, one touchdown. It was obviously enough to get the win. And while Utah obviously does not have nearly of nearly as much of an explosive offense as you would like to see. Uh, Obviously, their bread and butter is on the defensive side of the ball with Kyle Kyle Whittingham, defensive-minded head coach, very good defensive-minded head coach, I might add. But the defense for Utah was obviously off the charts last night with their level of performance, but a lot of credit has to go to them. Let me come back to the Florida Gators, because obviously that is who I'm going to spend a very large amount of time in this segment talking about. As I mentioned before, just a minute ago, this was uh, this is obviously a year of incredibly high expectations for Florida, especially with the eh, season that they had last year, despite having Anthony Richardson last year, and of course we all know how he how he and I do I do very much mean he being Anthony Richardson, won that game last year. He pretty much won it single-handedly. But he is obviously not there anymore after being selected by the Colts, number four overall in the draft this past year. And it is just a very big year for Billy Napier, the head coach at the University of Florida, Sunbelt Billy, as I've called him plenty of times. And when you look at his play, at his the play, at the play of his teams, particularly at the SEC level, you begin to see why a lot of I and plenty of other people call him that Sunbelt Billy because. The resume that he has probably belongs more in the Sun Belt, more along the lines of a coach from the Sun Belt Conference, i.e. Butch Jones, 
fun fact, than it does the resume of a coach in the SEC. And really big year for Billy Napier. If he does not turn it around in a hurry, then the you know the seat, the proverbial hot seat is has already been turned on at this point. And if the losses continue to pile up for Florida, then Billy Napier could very well be on his way out of Gainesville much, much sooner rather than later. Also, as it relates to some of the other storylines surrounding Florida, obviously they've also had plenty of other negative storylines involving former players that are no longer with the team, i.e. Jaden Rashada. I could get into those reasons, but I'm not sure I necessarily have the time to do that today, but having said that, this season also comes on in on the heels, I should say, of the much anticipated release of the Swamp King's Netflix documentary, which I've not gotten a chance to watch yet, and frankly may not even take the time to watch, because from everything I've seen, it's just basically, I've seen, I'm sure a lot of people say that it was basically a fluff piece for Urban Meyer and the University of Florida's football program. None of the storylines that I would have wanted to see in that documentary were apparently in the documentary, whether whether it be Raleigh Cooper and what happened with that whole situation, whether it be Aaron Hernandez and everything that came from that situation, whether it be Carlos Dunlap, whether it be how big of a How shall I put this? Many many of the words that I want to use to describe Aaron My excuse me, Urban Meyer and I and also Aaron Hernandez as well, but many of the words that I want to use to describe Urban Meyer I probably cannot use on the airwaves of the Jim Bratton Sports Podcast. But I think you can just all assume the what the laundry list of those phrases looks like. He's kind of a I'll I'll just say this: Urban Meyer is just not a very nice guy at all. And when you look at some of the things he said in that documentary, I mean, the one quote that I I will say about Urban Meyer 
from the, that I have seen from that documentary is where he said, I tr- and I'm paraphrasing here, but quote, I, I treat my superstars like superstars and I treat my doo-doo like doo-doo. End of quote. Uh, that, that line right there really sums up how much of a train wreck Urban Meyer's tenure was as the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Just not that long ago, honestly. I mean, he didn't even make it through an entire season. Oh, gosh. Urban Meyer, Florida. Urban Meyer, what a guy. What a guy. But, nevertheless, Swamp Kings was basically a fluff piece from everything I've seen, was basically a fluff piece for Urban Meyer and his time at the University of Florida. And, of course, me being the Tennessee Vols fan that I am, I do not necessarily have the time to watch that. But, as it relates to Florida this season, back into the Sunbelt Billy era, if you will, if, as I just said before, if the winds do not start rolling in for Billy Napier in Florida, then he could very he could very well be on his way out of Gainesville sooner rather than later. And look, as good as Anthony Richardson was, he is not coming back through that door for the Florida Gators anytime soon. Another another very high-profile quarterback, former quarterback at the University of Florida, who ironically also wore the number 15, and everybody knows who I'm talking about when I say that. He is also not walking back through the door anytime soon. And as a Tennessee Vols fan that I am just, and I will go ahead and just knock on some wood as I say this, in the interest of fairness, I saw that Joe Milton's already said that he doesn't lose in the state of Florida. And certainly as a fan, I hope that 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 continues to be and is the case. Certainly there's going to be a lot to look forward to in week three as the Vols travel to Gainesville to take on the Gators. But, you know, for Joe Melton to come out and say that really speaks volumes to the level of confidence he has. And 
not only not only just in himself, but also in his Tennessee Vols team and in his Tennessee Vols teammates. So a lot to look forward to if you're a Tennessee fan as it relates to the upcoming UT Florida game, which will take place a little over two, three weeks from now. And speaking of Joe Milton, speaking of Joe Milton, let me, I guess, begin to preview this Upcoming just incredible slate of games for week one. It was kind of hard to put it into words. How, gosh, I'm just, just excited, man. I really can't, really can't hold it back in a lot of ways. Really exciting time. And honestly, I say exciting slate of games. Honestly, the slate is sort of okay. When you look at it, now when you get to more toward the end of the weekend, that's when the more exciting games begin to tip off, begin to, excuse me, kick off. I guess I'm looking ahead to basketball season, but I don't know why I'm really doing that because it is football time in Tennessee after all. And Coming back to Joe Milton, I guess I'm going to preview this big matchup with Virginia tomorrow, which will be played at Nissan Stadium in Nashville. And on that note, I I guess I can bring up the whole spectrum thing that I was alluding to earlier, because I am sort of livid at spectrum in a lot of ways. And yes, to be fair, I'm well aware that Tennessee and Virginia will be playing on ABC tomorrow instead of ESPN. I was a little worried about that because just because of the fact that both ABC and ESPN just so happen to be owned by Mickey Mouse, basically, the Disney Corporation, but having said that, last night, or even early on this morning, I sort of thought that I was not going to be able to watch the Tennessee and Virginia game because of the obvious situation where Spectrum has dropped ESPN from its cable lineup due to contract due to I guess contract negotiations and blah blah blah. And there was that just brief moment of panic that I had because I was worried that I would not be able to watch the game. But come to find out the game between Tennessee and Virginia is apparently going to be on ABC, which fortunately, at last I ch- when last I checked, I do 
still have access to. So that is a, a very good thing, obviously. And now that I've sort of gotten over the mini heart attack that I suffered just a few hours ago, just kidding about that, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, but having said that, I can finally break down this game. And even few we- a few weeks ago, there was a lot of hoopla about some of the comments that Tony Elliott made. Tony Elliott, now the head coach at Virginia, was apparently in the running for the Tennessee job before the Vols went with Josh Heupel. Very, very, very good decision of them to do that by the way, for obvious reasons. I don't think I need to point out to any of you, especially Tennessee fans, what all of those reasons are. But, Tony Elliott basically said, you know, Tennessee's, it's it's an elite job and definitely one of the blue bloods and best high-profile jobs in the country, blah, blah, blah. I'm obviously paraphrasing, but there was speculation coming out a few weeks ago that did did Tennessee even offer Tony Elliott the job before they went with Heupel? Did they not offer him the job? Well, uh, UT's athletic director, Danny White, has obviously nipped that in the bud with his tweet that he put out saying basically that he only interviewed plenty of other candidates, but he only offered the one man. And that one man was not Tony Elliott and... That is, as I was just saying a minute ago, a very, very, very good decision. But that's it for the sort of the fun off-the-field stuff. Uh, The -the on-the-field stuff is probably going to be a lot of fun as well, especially with the Vols. I'll just stay with them in particular. Uh, Obviously, Jalen Hyatt is no longer there. Cedric Tillman is no longer there. Hendon Hooker is no longer there. But Joe Milton is back, obviously, as as are Brew McCoy, Ramel Keaton, Jabari Small, and Squirrel White. Those are by far the top returning playmakers on offense. They also have a lot of high-profile transfers coming in on the defensive side of the ball as well, which will hopefully alleviate some of the losses that are being left by a the absence of a Byron Young in particular. And they've also got some fresh blood coming in as well with uh, Dante Thornton Jr., the big... Big uh, transfer pickup from the University of Oregon. Big, fast, 
I mean, big. I believe he's like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, and very fast guy as well. And going to be, hopefully, a very big weapon for Joe Milton and the Vols passing attack. But as far as what my expectation is for this game, I'm, I guess I'm just going to go ahead and get this out of the way, knock on wood. I am expecting very much a blowout to take place in favor of the Big Orange, but it may may or may not start out that way because due to all of the unknowns from Tennessee's offense, Joe Milton in particular, although Joe Milton has shown plenty of signs of improvement, uh, I feel like Tennessee may get off to a little bit of a slower start than fans would probably like them to get off to. But having said that, the obvious talent gap between the just athletes that the SEC and the University of Tennessee produces, and not to take away not to take anything away from the level of talent that the ACC can produce. Certainly some schools in that conference do a very good job of that. But Virginia is not one of those schools. And there's obviously going to be a gap that is present there. But... I am expecting a blowout to en- to end up being the end result. I'm not going to give a score prediction per se because I haven't really put that much thought into an exact score prediction, but I do think it's going to be a lot to a little in favor of the Big Orange. Uh, Some of the other games that I've got my eyes on for various reasons very quickly. Uh, Colorado and TCU. Coach Prime. Coach Prime. Dion Primetime Sanders is making his debut at Colorado as the head football coach. Can he back up all of his talk. I mean, we all know that he's brought his own Louis luggage to Boulder with him, and he's going to do very good job of selling tickets because, fr- because frankly, they've got to find a way to pay for his that big contract that he signed somehow. But can all of his Louis luggage Brent? Uh, back up the hype. Obviously, he's brought quite a few big-name guys to Boulder with him, including his son, Shadur, the starting quarterback for the Buffs. But it's going to be interesting to see how that situation plays out over the whole 
course of the season because, frankly, Colorado is just a little bit of a different level than Jackson State, just to say the absolute least. But I digress. Uh, As far, far as TCU is concerned, one of the nicknames that I've given them uh, recently are the the horn not the horned frogs but the horned frauds based on the way they played in the national championship game last year and yes I do know who they were playing in that game I'm very much well aware of the fact that they were playing Georgia in that national championship game but Having said that, they did not live up to the hype in that national championship game. And this year are going to be without much of the, te- much of the team that got them to the national championship game last, excuse me, last year. And for those reasons, I think the horned frauds are going to show their true colors this season. Maybe not tomorrow, but definitely once they get into Big 12 play. So that's number two. Number three, uh, TSU and Notre Dame. The Really, the, the only reason I'm looking forward to this one is because of the sort of many love affair that I've had with Eddie George, really since my really since my childhood. I mean, at, at one point, I had a an Eddie George Dallas Cowboys jersey. For goodness' sake, that's just how big, how much of an Eddie George fan I was and am. I even had even had my one of my birthday parties growing up at one of. or I should say, at a, can't remember if it was the only one he had, but one main point I'm making here is I had one of my birthday parties at Eddie George's restaurant in downtown Nashville. That is just how big of an Eddie George fan I was and still continue to be. I, I very much hope that he has plenty of success at TSU. I wish him nothing but the best, obviously, but it's it's not gonna look it's not gonna look good for him tomorrow. It's not going to go well for the Tigers tomorrow. And it's going to be, you know, I hope it's going to be one of those situations where I don't think Eddie is expecting a lot of success to take place for TSU tomorrow. Hopefully it does. Hopefully, he's certainly hoping it does, but it's not very likely to happen. But nonetheless, I wish my childhood hero, Eddie George, nothing but the best 
as he moves forward at Tennessee State. That's game number three. Number, game number four, Middle Tennessee State, my, my beloved alma mater, and true blue and whatnot. Uh, it's, it's also not, not going to look too well for them tomorrow going up against the University of Alabama. And they've actually played Alabama before back in 2015, I believe, and I really regret not being able to go to Tuscaloosa back then. Uh, Of course, I was still in school at the time, which would have obviously made for an even more fun-filled experience probably than it would now, certainly. Seven years, seven, eight years into the future from that time. But... The it's going to end up being the same result this time around for the Blue Raiders, but you know the the checks have got to keep coming in. That that big time athletic facility is, and to be fair to MTSU, it's it looks like a very nice facility, but it's not going to pay for itself, obviously. And big takeaway from Bama is Jalen Milrow has apparently he is apparently going to start out this game whether or not he finishes it for one reason he's probably not going to end up finishing it for reasons outside of there still being a quarterback battle going on at Alabama obviously but the score will probably end up getting out of hand sooner than later, but will he hold on to that job? That is what the true question is coming out of Alabama's week one clash with the Blue Raiders of MTSU. Last two games I'm going to be watching out for, North Carolina and South Carolina where College Game Day will be. And unfortunately, I was looking very much forward to watching College Game Day, but it does not look like that is going to happen anymore. Thank you very much, Spectrum. But nevertheless, it is going to be a very big game in Charlotte. Uh, Main thing that I'm going to be watching in that one is the quarterback battle between UNC's Drake May and USC's Spencer Rattler. Drake May is obviously... A lot of people probably have him as QB2 in the 2024 draft behind Caleb Williams because he's got... He's really got all of those tools that you want in a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's got the size. He's got the arm strength. He apparently, obviously, has got the intangibles from everything I've seen from him. He seems to be a very well-spoken and mild-mannered young man. 
in many respects. But Spencer Rattler, on the other hand, obviously not to say that he is not well-spoken and mild-mannered. Certainly there's been a lot of hoopla surrounding Spencer Rattler even back during his time at Oklahoma where he was very ironically teammates with Caleb Williams. And of course, Caleb Williams was inserted into the starting lineup at Oklahoma after Spencer Radler was benched at Oklahoma, and I think the rest is pretty much history. And we are where we are now. But Spencer Radler obviously came on very strong for South Carolina last season in in particular, especially in that one game that I'm not going to mention because of how painful it was. I know a lot of you will know which game I'm talking about, but can Spencer Radler keep up that momentum? Who knows? Who knows? But going to be very interesting to find that out. And last game I'm looking forward to, LSU, Florida State. LSU, of course, going into year two of the Brian Kelly regime. And I hate that I cannot make fun of Brian Kelly anymore because of his fake, his clearly fake Southern accent. I can't do it. I can't do it. He beat Bama last year. He won the SEC West last year. They've got Jaden... They've got a Jaden Daniels coming back. Possibly, possibly dark horse Heisman candidate. Jaden Daniels. But can LSU keep up that momentum? Who knows? It's going to be very, very interesting to see if that takes place or not. And for Florida State, there's a lot of hype surrounding them as well. I'm still trying to still trying to get used to that, but from everything I've seen and heard, jo- Jordan Travis is apparently the real deal. And will he will he live up to his hype? Who knows? Who knows? Apparently, apparently he is him. But I guess we will all have to wait until this upcoming, I believe, Sunday night to figure out the answer to that question. Going to be a lot of fun to watch. It's also going to be a lot of fun to watch the rest of the slate of games that are taking place this week and in week two and on, and on, and on, and on. And with all of that being said, I'm going to go ahead and hop on out of here. I want to thank you all so much for tuning into this edition of the Jim Bratton Podcast, this sort of long-winded edition of the Jim Bratton Podcast. But lots of 
college football action that I had to talk about. And I know I and all of you are looking forward to doing absolutely nothing tomorrow except watching college football. And so, with all of that being said, thank again, thank you all so much for watching and listening. Really appreciate it, and I will see you guys very soon.